This Family Life News Podcast is made possible by the support of listeners like you. Every parent wants to do a good job, but but how do you know if you're headed in the right direction? Well, we're going to talk about that today on Family Life's Inside Out, where we look at how God transforms His people from the inside out. I'm Martha Manikas Foster, and my guest today is Laura Spalding, author of a January article in the Gospel Coalition. The title is, Taking the Long View Revolutionized My Parenting. Welcome, Laura, to Inside Out. Thank you for having me today. It's my pleasure. I think, Laura, I think we could probably agree that sometime soon after you've given birth, most parents are often struck, sometimes overwhelmed, by the massive responsibility of raising a child. In, in your two decades of parenting, what have you seen presented as these are the goals or these are the standards that parents, including Christian parents, but these are the standards to measure up to? This is what your goal is as a parent. So I think it all started with parenting books, like even long before I had my first child was born. Mm-hmm. When I was still pregnant, I had a collection of all the right parenting books. Here are the books that were going to help me to know not not just what to do in terms of the practical stuff, but even just from day one, like, here's how often I'm going to talk to them. Or mm-hmm. It was everything needed to be planned from playtime to feeding. So when I first started my parenting journey, that was really the big thing is, you know, read all the right parenting books. Mm-hmm. And so that looked like tracking everything from playtime to sleep time. And then as they got a little bit older, it became know those milestone charts and mm-hmm. has your child at this age rolled over, have they met all the right milestones? And that's feeding into then the right schooling and in often many cases, the right schooling models, making sure that you did school the right way, whatever that was, mm-hmm. and then extracurriculars. So it seemed to be like there was always just a right way presented to you at all parts. And some of it came from the Christian culture and some of it came from the neighborhood. Some of it came from TV, but there was just always a idea of here's what it looks like. Now that my kids are older, it became grades and test scores mm. and now college resumes. You know, right. We have all the right things on our college resumes, even down to the things like, are your birthday parties, are your hairstyles Pinterest worthy? Is mm. your first day of school outfit Facebook worthy? You know, mm. the award ceremonies at the end of school, whatever it was, like, how does it measure up to what is happening everywhere else? Pinterest, Facebook would tell us a lot about what that needed to look like. And of course, now we're just, it's waiting for the college acceptance letters popping up on Facebook everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know. And of course, we're, we're part of it. My kids had awesome birthday parties and I am a pro French braider. So I, you know, <laughs> I'm in there with all of it. So I'm, I'm not saying those as if they're bad things, but I do think that it is so easy for that to become where we're measuring how we're doing as parents. Right. So, so right along that line, where do you think many of these goals can miss the mark? So I think that it's just natural and normal that we want a, a right way to do things. We want a formula. We want, like, here is what the end goal is. Here is what we're aiming for. And so, like everything else in life, we kind of thought after that in our parenting as well, in this very achievement, performance-driven culture that I've raised my children in, I want them to achieve. I want them to perform. I want them to be on the cast list or make the star team or whatever it is. And so this very achievement performance driven culture, I think, has been a big part of that. And I think a lot of it, too, is just we are looking for these 
fancy destinations or these fancy things along the way that prove our worth as parents, but it also, I think, seeks to prove our children's worth. Like we're trying to prove our worth based on what we've achieved or how much we've performed. And for those of us who follow Jesus Christ, our identity and our, our worth are, are miles away from some of these standards or these these goals that are set before us by the culture and sometimes by the church. Well, and I think what's also hard is I'm, I'm kind of picking at and, and talking a lot about what the world tells us here is what we're aiming for, here is kind of the standard. But the church is as quick to hand out formulas and checklists for what parenting should and could look like, Uh um, or what discipleship and sanctification, for that matter, could and should look like. And we're, we're tempted to take the formulas, not only that the world gives us, but we're also tempted to take the formulas that the church sometimes can give us and say, okay, I'm going to measure my child based on how they performed in Sunday school, how they fit in this classical Christian school model. There's lots of different ways and different kind of, I guess, checklists or formulas that we can get coming at us from both directions. Would it be fair to say that some of these goals miss the mark because they're looking at external external measurements of the development of a child, and there are other ways to look at the development of a child? Yes, I think that that is a great way to say it. I think that we sometimes miss the mark because while man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. And when he created us, he created each of us so uniquely, and he knows each of us so uniquely. And he creates us for these unique purposes and good work that he prepared in advance for us to do. And it just doesn't look the same for all of us. But it's easy to assume that it that there is a right way to appear on the outside, whether mm-hmm. that is what we're wearing, what our parties look like, or what our behavior looks like, how polished or perfected our social skills are, or whatever it might be. Right, right. Well, we're going to continue on this, but first let me reintroduce the topic and you, Laura. If you're just joining us, welcome to Inside Out on Family Life. I'm talking today with author Laura Spalding. Now, Laura, Christian parents, most of us can recite Proverbs 22.6. That's where we're instructed to train up a child in the way he should go. All of that is so that when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Springing from this, you've suggested taking a long view of parenting and You talk about de-emphasizing materialism, perfectionism, and the cultural definition of authenticity, and instead go in favor of giving a child a taste of the goodness of God. And in addition, you suggest helping children embrace their unique gifts and limitations. Can, Can you say more about this, about their gifts and limitations, about what it means for a child to see themselves rightly? Sure. For me, Proverbs 22, 6, when I would recite that myself to myself before I was a parent and when my children were young, I always took it as a, I guess, instruction and not so much as a like gracious invitation. It is an instruction that if you get this right, if you train up in the child the right way, the mm-hmm. way they should go is obviously the right way, then, then they will be and do what you're expecting them to be and do. Almost like a bargain. You do this, this happens. Absolutely. And to one day picking that verse apart and recognizing what it really is saying, it is not saying if you get parenting right, your kids will turn out right. It is saying 
if you know your child intimately, the way that God means for them to be known, if you see them the way that they are seen by their creator, their designer, Mm -hmm. and you raise them according to God's plan and purpose and unique way that he made them, then, now it doesn't mean that the day they turn 18 and they get that that perfect mm-hmm. college acceptance that they are going to follow God forever and mm-hmm. they are never going to depart from the things you taught them. But it's saying at the very end of their life, like there's nothing in that verse that talks about the middle and the middle, there isn't a bunch of fancy destinations or things that God has said, here's what needs to happen all along the way. He's saying, start them this way and it finishes this way. Like all the middle is so unique to each person. Mm-hmm. And so, to answer the question specifically about what does it mean for children to see themselves rightly, we are all prone to own our strengths and our weaknesses as part of our identity mm-hmm. or to moralize the talents that we've been given or the limitations that we've been given, that there's something good or bad about us because of what we're good or bad at mm-hmm. or what we achieve or don't achieve. And those who have more visible gifts and talents, especially those children and teenagers who grow up with those visible gifts and talents that show up on the stage or on the ball field Mm -hmm. or on report cards or test scores, we're very tempted to believe that somehow we as parents gave them that or Mm -hmm. enabled that Mm -hmm. or they themselves, we, we believe when we have visible gifts and talents that we chose the way that our minds and bodies were knit together, which can lead to being conceit, being puffed up and, and, than thinking too highly of ourselves. Whereas those created with more visible limitations and weaknesses are tempted in another way. They're tempted to despise God's perfect design for them, leading to things like self-deprecation and shame, thinking too lowly of oneself. And we see this a lot in our high schoolers and teenagers who tend to, you know, just lots of depression, lots of anxiety, because if they don't have those visible gifts and talents, but rather it's their weaknesses, Mm. their God-given human limitations that seem to be more on display, they begin to think too lowly of themselves. So when we're thinking of ourselves or our children in terms of achievement, in terms of performance grades or whatever it is, then we're going to be tempted to not see ourselves rightly. But only when we see ourselves and others as this fearfully and wonderfully made, will we really begin to experience the kind of just interdependence and mutual care and flourishing and belonging and unity that happens in God's purposeful design for our gifts and limitations and the diversity that he's created us all with. Mm, yeah. So, so Laura, how can training in what God says in the Bible and, and an understanding that there's more than this world, how can that make a difference in a child's life, do you think? And also the way a parent is going to feel about the pressure to get this right. How does doing this make a difference? So God is a personal God, the perfect parent who has designed us with our purposeful gifts and limitations. And he knows us deeply in all of our unique complexities. So when we look at who we are, like our identity or why we're here, like our purpose here, through the eyes of our creator and not through the eyes of the culture or, or whether that's the church culture or the, the neighborhood culture or the media or whatever it is, uh-huh. 
and we begin to see ourselves in those ways, then we begin to recognize that we all have the same identity. We all have the same purpose, but in a very practical sense, how that fleshes itself out is just very different for each of us. So who we are and why we're here is defined in scripture. However, what that looks like for each of us comes out in our strengths, our interests, our passions, our gifts, our personalities, our story, all of which Psalm 139 tells us was God's purposeful design from the beginning. Uh And having that in mind, knowing it deep down as a parent, it can be freeing, right, about how we look at our kids and how we look at our performance, quote-unquote, as parents? Yes, when we begin to look at them for who they are instead of who the culture has said that they're supposed to be. Yes. Oh, there's just so much more joy. Parenting becomes so much more of not a race to the top, but just a journey is one of the ways that I've really learned to think about it and look at it is it's a journey. Laura, the kind of joke about grandparents is that they get to spoil the children and not do any of the discipline. But there is a certain freedom that comes with not feeling so much of the pressure. It's because I've gone through this race. I think I have a little more wisdom. I think we we begin to look back and recognize what's really at stake. Yeah. And so my journey with my kids has a lot to do with the journey that we had with our grandparents. And we lost all of our grandparents very young. On top of the fact that I have some kids who really were not going to sit in that box, no matter how hard we tried mm-hmm. to squeeze them mm-hmm. in, there was a lot of grieving and a lot of caregiving that happened in our home that allowed me the opportunity to kind of step back and go, okay, wait, what are we trying to do? Like, and, where, right. where are we headed? And what's the and most right, important thing, right? If you can't do right. it all, yes, yes. What really matters here? And, and then recognizing that the end goal, it wasn't what we thought it was. It wasn't getting all the awards at the award ceremony or whatever the next thing is that that we're supposed to accomplish or achieve with our children. And I I joke all the time because my oldest and my youngest, who are seven years apart, Mm -hmm. they've had a very different experience. And we tried very hard with our youngest to make sure we did all the right things and got everything right. And I can look back now and just really wish that all the time that I had spent reading parenting books and shuffling around from this activity to that activity, that I would have spent knowing my child and being with my child. So Laura, for people listening right now, what words of encouragement might you have for the parents who feel pulled and stressed and and, and even overwhelmed about this responsibility of parenting and that all of these these goals that are set out there that they're supposed to achieve and that their kids are supposed to achieve? I do want to be careful to say that I am not in any way suggesting that parenting is a sit back and just let things happen. This knowing of your children, this giving them a taste for the goodness of God and setting them on the right path is a very active type of parenting. It's not a sit back and just let the cards fall where they are. Uh, it right. is a know your child. And, and what I would really love to go back and tell myself if I could go back to the very beginning, I think what I would say is pay more attention to the child that you're holding in your arms than whatever today's parenting trends are, the Mm. parenting books, whatever it is that's trending right now that tells you this is what makes you a good parent. I just wish I would have known to just pay attention to to this child. And then the next thing would would be, I, I wish I would have treasured moments more than I tracked them instead of just 
you know, keeping up with what needed to happen and what should be happening that I would just treasure every moment, even, even the ones that felt like they would never end. Yes. And then I, I think the last thing is just this reminder. I would love to have been told at the very beginning that the chief end of parenting is not getting kids into perfect colleges so that they can find the perfect job and marry the perfect spouse so that they could turn around and have perfect kids of their own. Mm. But that the chief end of parenting, just like the chief end of life, is perfection for all eternity. Mm. And that isn't going to happen at fifth grade graduation or at eighth grade award ceremony or at high school graduation or even at college graduation. Like the perfection for all eternity comes at the, at the end of the race, at the end of the journey. And so our job as parents is to prepare our kids for a journey. It is not to get them to any fancy destination. It is to get them started on this journey of life that God in his perfect wisdom and design of them has already set. And that when it says in Proverbs 22, 6, to train up a child in the way he should go, the way he or should go is not necessarily the way that anyone else's child should or could go. So I would just say, put the parenting books away and instead study the child in your arms and really paying attention to what are their unique gifts and limitations, what motivates them, what stresses them out, what lights them up, and then use that knowledge, what you learn about them to help them know themselves to help them know and relate to their creator, to help prepare them for the good works that God has prepared in advance for them to do. Mm, Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Laura. Thank you for the thinking that you've done on this, the living that you've done on this, and for joining me here today to talk about it on Inside Out. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. My guest has been author Laura Spaulding. You can read Laura's writing by going online to wordstomychildren.blog. That's wordstomychildren, altogether, dot blog. I'm Martha Manikas Foster with Inside Out on Family Life. Thank you for listening to this Family Life News Podcast. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, please share it with others and click the subscribe button to automatically receive future episodes. Family Life is a listener-supported ministry. Podcasts like this are made possible by your financial partnership. Find out more at familylife.org.